Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com. And Phil, welcome back. Little hiatus. We had a little Pesach break. We had a little uh, travel obligations and the like, but, but you're back and looking very tanned and well-rested, ready to get into the fray of politics. Oh, I'm, I'm always, whenever I'm away from politics for a bit, for some reason, I just... I get rejuvenated. Um, it's been uh, sadly an unfortunate. I unfortunately have, have missed you for so many weeks, and excited to be back. Um, but if you know, based on what I've seen, there's not really that much news going on. Not in New York politics. Not in the federal government. I mean, I'm, I'm not, unless I'm missing it. Yeah. Well, obviously you are. And why don't we just run down what we ha- what I have for you today? I mean, we have uh, special elections this past Tuesday, both in New York, Arizona, and and, and elsewhere. Um, obviously. Uh, more continuation. I don't know about the blue wave, but certainly the blue. I. Uh, I mean, more like a blue tsunami to a certain degree. I. Uh, uh, Mick Mulvaney, the OMB director out there, basically saying that if you want to get anything done in politics, you better just you better pony up. All better right, give somebody. Wait, 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 <laughs> we got Michael Cohen saying he's going to take the fifth. You know, the lawyer to the president saying he's take take the fifth amendment. Remember what President Trump had said about people who take the fifth. That must be because they're guilty. Only uh, Rudy Giuliani back in the fray as Trump attorney. Uh, with the Scott Pru- investigator yesterday. Scott Pruitt for the $43,000 phone booth. I mean, this has got to be some phone booth uh, out there. And now, and now, uh, Ronnie Jackson, the presidential physician who said that President Trump is the fittest president possibly in history, uh, has uh, withdrawn as VA secretary. So, I don't know if, and, and of course, the president is immediately blaming Chuck Schumer for that. So where do you want to start? I'll let you, you know, throw, let's have a little throw down here as far as I mean, where we're going to go. Hold here. on. And you're, 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 you know, all, poli- by the way, all politics is local. That's just this week. Wait, wait, that's wait. That's just this week. And, and, and I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure our audience is, is, has to be aware of what's happening in the New York State Senate with Simcha Felder and the yeah, Democratic yeah, well, takeover. Yeah, absolutely. The recent announcement and retirement of uh, my former colleague, Assemblyman Dove Hyken, after oh. 36 years See, in I thought office. you'd want to do the tributes at the end. We can do the tributes Oh, these are the tributes. Oh. Well, let's, 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 you want, let's do the Dove Hyken tribute. Oh, right, man. Right I don't away. know. You know, it's funny. You know, can I, can I say something? And I, I me and Dove, uh, he was my colleague. We always got along. Uh, you know, he served and, and, he went into public service. I mean, he really paved the way for a lot for, for folks like me. And I have nothing but Hakar Satov. But it's what I find fascinating, right? It's it's almost like in Khasbashalm, I don't mean it like this, but almost like a eulogy, you know, Dove should live and be well for a long, long time. But when someone is eulogized, all of a sudden, all the fights, all the animosity, all the bad blood, all the machlaikis, it all goes away. All of a sudden, he was such a great man. As it should. And, you know, I it's to me it seems a bit revisionist history now i'm not saying again this is not me i i had nothing but a great relationship with dove like i said i think he 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 sort of he really led the way for especially for orthodox jews to get into public service i mean i'm not sure if my father agreed with it or my mother agreed with it but for me it sort of it it, it showed me a path to getting into public service but like look i'm not saying that that i'm not saying that you have to say anything right if you if you were political enemies or you didn't get along politically or you were on an ideological divide and you found yourself often fighting with one another, now's not the time to, to sort of change like, oh, we were great friends and we got all... It's just, you know, just be quiet. Just just 
just walk away, right? Let him let him sort of do his thing and you do your thing. But it's Are funny. you suggesting that there's an ounce of political hypocrisy out there? It's it's so much more than hypocrisy. Well, it's it's just it's what I like to think it's revisionist history. It's like we're changing we're we're saying this now. So if anybody were ever questioned about whether we were friends or we weren't friends, it, you know, it, it just is what it is, right? I you know, there there are those it's unfortunate to me that we can't all just be honest with ourselves and say, look, and, and I'm not saying, and here's the funniest part. And, and I say this as a friend of Dove's who never, I don't think we ever had a political bad word to say to another. I don't think we had a personal or political bad word to say. I had nothing but fond memories of my time with, uh, with Dove in Albany, you know, however, right. It, it's, it just, it bothers me sort of the, you know, sort of the amount of, I don't know. I don't even know what you call it, but it, it's just, it's fake. And I think, again, it's what frustrates people about politics. I mean, it's just, it doesn't seem real. Well, I fully understand what you're saying as far as that. I mean, my take on this is we can have an assessment of somebody's career. And I think what people missed about Dove, number one, I want to, in thinking about it, what is it about Dove that really made him unusual or not just unusual, but uh, a little bit larger than your average politician. He was totally unafraid of anything. Totally unafraid. And when it came to any issue having to do with the Jewish community and Jewish people who were either discrimination or any type, somebody was, was held prisoner, it didn't matter. He went all in. He didn't have, he didn't say, oh, well, maybe this, maybe this no political, political calculation. Maybe this political, this would hurt me, this would this. It didn't matter. He was all in. And I have to say, that is something that is sorely lacking in today. I mean, and look, maybe it's his the fact that he was a JDL member and they were and they were uh, disruptors back then. But it didn't matter. He was all in all the time. And he would you would call him up and you had an issue and you say, this is going on. You call his office and it didn't really matter. It didn't matter if you were Democrat, Republican. It didn't matter. You could be the most left-leaning person. You could be the most right-leaning person. It didn't matter. Dove Hiking was there if he thought that there was a cause of justice. And, you know, that's not typical of the members of Albany. That's actually not really what Any most... politician Right. Most, most people don't do not do that. They don't engage in that. And, and on important issues, he... In many important issues, he was the only guy. I mean, really, when it came, and I still remember Crown Heights back in the early 90s, okay? He made it an issue. He galvanized, and I think, you know, it, it, he went, he took on Governor Cuomo. Uh, he took on uh, Mayor Dinkins, and it didn't matter. He was there because justice was not in order for justice to be done for the Jews in Crown Heights and then beyond, beyond, beyond many different times. I'll tell you, you know, look, people were frustrated to a certain degree with, with the fact that he never really played the Albany game. He was there for 36 years. He could have risen in tremendous power and ranking. You could probably comment on this better as a committee person, as a chairman, maybe even, you know, as, as a, you know, very important, but that wasn't what he did. And that wasn't the way he did it. But I'll tell you, he did fill a very vital and important role in the community and probably a role that others that never would have been filled. It would have been a tremendous void. You know, I think it, it speaks to exactly what I think many people in the community want their elected officials to be is to sort of be representatives of the community. And that's it. Uh, you know, it's. I, I often talk about uh, certain elected officials where, you know, you can either be great in your community or you could be great in your capital, right? Whether it's Washington or Albany or wherever it is. It's very hard to sort of walk both both lines, right? To be a true community leader and to be involved in every single issue and to be on the front lines in every single fight and, and stand up for the issues you believe in, regardless of politics. I mean, look, 
that's the biggest challenge, right? Is because if you want to if you want to succeed in Albany, you have to find sometimes those compromises. And Dove, to his credit, whether you liked him, you didn't like him, was uncompromising, right? He had a position, he had a view, he had an opinion, and he was willing to sort of do whatever it took to sort of fight for that view and that opinion. And sometimes in Albany, you're not able to do that. If you want to grow in Albany, if you want to be a part of the system, you've got to sometimes go along to get along, right? You've got to sometimes cut deals. You've got to, you know, make friends that you don't always want to make. And not to say that Dove didn't make friends, but he didn't want to in any way, shape or form compromise on his ability to deliver and represent the people in his district. And I give him a lot of credit for that. Look, a lot of people, and I might myself included, is that you find a way to, to try and do both, right? You work as hard as you can in the community, but you also want to grow and succeed in Albany. And to me, that was just as important. There was political calculations about what I could do, what I can accomplish, you know, in, in my Albany agenda. And Dove, to his credit, saw guys like me and says, good, Phil, you do it. I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. And he saw sort of other folks who were who were playing in that Albany game or playing the political game. And whether you liked him or not, he was, you know, again, like I said, he, he was, uh, he really sort of laid the ground for uh, for public service uh, long before guys like me got there. And uh, we all owe him a tremendous Akar Satov. And I wish him luck and wherever he goes. Uh, assuming, uh, my, my guess, he's, ha- he's going to Israel, right? I mean, that's I've heard about that. Probably not years. to Disneyland, so he's probably going to Israel, I would imagine. But look, we'll see. We'll see what his next chapter is. One thing I think probably for sure is that he won't be quiet or silent uh, on, any, on anything because that's just not his way. And I think that overall... He, he will have a very lasting legacy on a lot of issues that are very, very important. Uh, he was not afraid to take on the Jewish establishment. He was not afraid to take on other Jewish politicians. He was not afraid to take on, on other any other politicians. Uh, and, you know, he really fulfilled a, a niche role. Um, but let's talk about Simcha Eichenstein for a second. So Dove uh, has actually anointed a successor, or at least encouraged a successor. Uh, Simcha Eichenstein, actually still on the city payroll, doesn't even have a campaign committee going uh and i i'm big fan of simcha great guy known him for a long time i'm it's uh probably i mean a long time i think maybe he he might not have even been 20 before he was married i i, I know him he's been uh he, he's been a very very effective uh uh staffer i guess if you better, lack of a better word city official state official and uh we'll see i mean i i don't know that this seat is gonna go unchallenged let's put it that way i i there are not enough words for me to describe how I feel about Simcha Eichenstein. I love the guy. I mean, well, we, we don't have that long, yeah, so you we, better make it, make it snappy. Simcha is, is just, you know, what you see is what you get. His heart is in the right place. His passion is in the right place. He's <coughs> he's never unwilling to get involved, to be involved, to help the community, to help his friends, to 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 sort of just sort of be on the front lines, right? Too often people are shying away from you know, being in the spotlight and, and, and helping and getting involved, sometimes getting your hands dirty. Simcha is not that guy. He is, uh, he's been a, a very, very dear friend for a long time. And with all the politics of Simchas this week, it'd be nice to have a new Simcha in Albany to, uh, to try and bring some, uh, some calm and some sense to the politics and to, uh, and to the advocacy. So uh, I hope he runs. He hasn't declared yet officially. Right. He is still on city payroll. I'm like you. If, if recent history is, is telling there's going to be likely a campaign of some sort. Um, and so I'm excited. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I'm, I'm, I'm just about ready to endorse Simcha Eichenstein for uh, the State Assembly. Wow, that's uh, big news. I'm, I'm making very that, excited. making Look, that right here. Okay. So, you know, there's some people just they do it from the heart and for all the right reasons, and Simcha is one of those guys. Okay. Well, 
I think that's actually a good segue. This is Spin Class here on the Malcolm Siegel Network. Michael Frag and Phil Goldfeder talking politics. And uh, let's talk about the other Simcha, or Simcha Senior, as opposed to Simcha Junior, now holding the balance of power in his hands, literally, of the New York State Senate after two special elections that happened this Tuesday. Uh, like uh, what happened in the Westchester County, that was the one, that was the race everybody was looking at, although Democrats also took a longtime Republican Assembly seat out in Suffolk County in the town of, in the town of Huntington. Uh, that had been a long time, even though... Uh, Democratic enrollment edge. These districts, like you saw, like in Westchester, have heavy Democratic enrollment edges. Uh, Republicans, one seat, the assembly seat had been held by a Republican. The uh, state Senate seat in Westchester had been held by a Democrat. And now uh, still both held by Democrats, but this was seen as a winnable seat by Republicans, um, but not this year. And very clearly, as we've seen quite some time, is that even if the polling looks close in all these special elections, Democrats are just sweeping. Uh, they end up winning. Uh, Shelley Mayer, your former colleague, ends up winning by a, like. 16 points every prosecutor um, thought it was going to be a close race well actually I, I i will tell you i mean i've confirmed this with with campaigns on both sides that they both had polling that within the margin of error which is amazing and similar actually what you saw in the county executive race rob astorino also had polling within the margin of error back last november when he ran against george latimer and that ended up being a blowout as well the the turnout in these races is turning out to, is much higher than it would normally be because Democrats and independents are just coming out and voting against the president. And I'll just give you an anecdote and let you go with this. I was actually standing on a train platform in Westchester County Tuesday afternoon. Sorry, uh, Julie sorry Kill- to hear that. Julie Killian's a friend of mine. I, I love Westchester. I like the district. I grew up there. Uh, saw a lot of old friends. And but standing out, and I'm standing next to a woman, and yeah, we got to talking. It's great. There's time in between trains, and. I'm asking her, you know, we're talking about what, uh, what the story is and the, 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 what came out. And she actually admitted she was totally clueless about the state Senate. No idea. Had no idea what was going on. Had no idea the politics. Had no idea. I uh, thought that Julie Killian was a right wing lunatic as opposed to a moderate Republican. Didn't understand the dynamics, the IDC, nothing. All she wanted to do was get people to vote against Trump. And I think that people out there have to understand. And I know we live in the bubble and we live in the cocoon of the. Orthodox community where everybody feels that Trump is the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, but at the same time, and you know, uh, it's people need to understand that a lot of the country, particularly the suburban areas, are in open revolt against the Republican Party. You know what? What you said, I think, is you hit it right on the head. People... We follow politics. Obviously, this is spin class. We're, we're insiders. The people I think who listen to our show probably know more than most. Outside of that bubble... Right, the real world is not as always as we see it in, in our own heads, and what you're saying is exactly right. And I look, I have the, I had this debate in shul this morning. I literally have this debate in, sh- in shul every single Shabbos, as as much as I don't want to. You know, this idea that like, oh, you're gonna see, you know, the the Trump movement. It's only getting better. There's only so many positive things. He's only done amazing things. There's been no failures. I don't know what you're talking about. The polling numbers don't lie, and so yeah, if his poll numbers are up to thirty eight percent. That's not a good thing, right? That means 60% of the country is the opposite way, and you are seeing that in every single race. And so the one thing I thought was funny this week, and, and just to turn it around a bit, is you point to the, the race in Arizona. You see, no one's talking. You see the Republican won in Arizona. It was almost like saying, look, the Republican won in Alabama, right? Like it's like Well, actually, about, the Republican did win in Alabama. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, the Demo- excuse me, the Democrat won. My point to you is, is that like 
Democrats are taking races that shouldn't be competitive no. at all. No. And they're making them competitive. So the fact that the Republican held out in a Repub- in a heavily Republican heavily district. Heavily Republican. Very older, like, very white district. It's sad that the Republicans have to say, you see, no one's talking about that one. You, no one's talking about it because if it, it would have been breaking news if the Republican lost. The Republicans should win those districts. It's not, I mean, look. Republicans better open their eyes, right? And all these Trump supporters better open their eyes because November is coming up not very long from now, and you are going to see a Republican uh, sort of being decimated in the House and in state houses all across the country. Yeah, it's people have to realize that, and that's why so many House Republicans are retiring and getting out. And we actually saw, we see a uh, Republican state senator upstate, Kathy Marchione, decided she's going to retire. I don't know. Look, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see. There are others. Uh, we might see that go- going on in a lot of places of people just deciding, I can't run in this environment. I can't win in this environment. And you know, there's an element of Paul Ryan to that. Paul Ryan certainly looked at it. We talked, discussed this a couple weeks ago, uh, saying, okay, time to hang on my cleats because there's just the, the possibility of me not being speaker in the next term is is very real. By the way, can I can I say that and Paul Ryan's a good example and just pivot back to Doe for a second. I give a tremendous amount of credit. Whether you like Paul Ryan, you don't like Paul Ryan, you like his politics or not, when you realize, right, hey, maybe it's my time to go or, or maybe like I can't be as effective as I want to be anymore. I can't accomplish what I, I can accomplish and I'm going to put myself in that same category, right? For whatever reason, he decides to walk away. His entire life doesn't have to be in public service. And I wish Nancy Pelosi would see the same writing on the wall, right? If that's an example, it's like, so true. You, you don't criticize the guy wants to walk away. God bless. He served. He's entitled to walk away. Whether it's Doe for thirty six, Paul Ryan as speaker for the time he was, walk away gracefully on on the top of your game. Nancy Pelosi, just you, you can't drag her away. Yeah, it's it's pretty unbelievable. And I think if if the Democrats end up taking the House, it will be in spite of Nancy Pelosi, not because Look, of She's Nancy an Pelosi. albatross around the neck oh, of for sure. every candidate. For sure, and it's not country. just the fact that she's an albatross. Also, the and I hate to make it an ageism thing, but it, the, the presentation of the leadership of the, of the House Democrats is late 70s. It's not, you know, you can contrast that to what the Republican leadership looks like. And this is a different, these elections right now are all about the president. It's nothing. It used to be that some of these people would run on their own merit and some of the casual voters would kind of come out, you know, with regard to national issues. Everything going on right now on the ground, all the polling tells us it's all about the president. Every single one of these local elections up and down from U.S. Senate all the way down to postal carrier our dog catcher, whatever, is all about a referendum on the president. The party label for, in some places, it's amazing. It's great. There are, I think, in rural areas, probably people, although maybe in the farming areas, they don't like Trump anymore um, because he's, you know, killing their livelihood. But uh, for a lot of places, it's all about the president. And, you know, he's not making it any better. Look, Ivana Trump spoke out this week and said she should out, he should not run for another term. And uh, it's it's pretty amazing. But you'll have to see how he will adjust or might adjust to what might be coming in the midterms. And, you know, but the White House is making very few adjustments. And so before we, we switch topics, we, we mentioned Simcha Felder. For yes, a moment. yes, yes. We've got to get back to that. And I, again, I, I have no objection. Look, he's, again, trying to do the best that he can. I, so well, we got to get we got a little background here. I think that's yeah, necessary. Please. Right. Yeah, now, so right now, I and and I think the the one thing people don't realize is Simcha Felder did run on the Democrat and the Republican and the conservative lines. So the idea that he must caucus with the Democrats, I think, is a little bit much. But it's 31 
Democrats now in the in the New York State Senate, thirty one Republicans, and then one Simchafelder who caucuses right now with the Republicans. Who announced on the day of the special election this past Tuesday that he's going to continue to caucus the Republicans. There was this hope on the part of the Democrats that they could get him to flip over, and then they would control the chamber. Uh, Governor Cuomo may or may not have made an effort. I don't know. He wrote some letter, but he never called. Who knows exactly? Well, I'll let you comment on the inside baseball. But right now, Simcha Felder of Brooklyn, state senator, uh, you're uh, somebody you used to work for, and I've done some work for, uh, so we both know him well, is now ha- holding, really, the balance of power in New York State in, in his hands. And yeah, look, I, it's funny. I think, And he's very wide shoulders. He's, I mean, he's willing to take it, and I know him well. We worked together for a long time, and uh, we served together, and I, I had the pleasure of working for him back in 2008, <laughs> 10 years ago already. I don't think this is a Simcha Felder story. While everybody is trying to make it a Simcha Felder story, I really still believe this is a Andrew Cuomo, Cynthia Nixon story, right? This is an Andrew Cuomo, and, and again, whether you like him or you dislike him, who is now essentially being is being forced to be a Democrat, right? He's had the liberty over the last eight years to, you know, to sort of play the politics, right? You know, I'm, I support the Democrats, but I work with the Republicans in the Senate. I, I kind of play, and by the way, Politically speaking, that that's fine by me. As you know, I'm I'm a moderate. I like to find ways to work together. The governor has done that. I think he's done that effectively. However, like you're seeing in Washington and the Democratic Party, everybody is in in order to be successful, they're going they're trying to outleft the next one, right? They're trying to be more ideological than the next one. So it's no longer about sound good policy. It's about how do I become perceived as more liberal and more left than the next person. And so as an example of that, just this week and a good Simcha Felder issue, right? Last year in, in New York City, passed, New York City Council passed a bill to ban the use of plastic bags in supermarkets. In Albany, uh, this is, it's gotta be, I was there, so it must've been two years ago now. We rejected the idea. We rejected the idea and we passed legislation to sort of halt what New York City was trying to do with the approval or the sign off or the okay from Andrew Cuomo that like, we're gonna have to figure out some new idea. Only not too long later, this week, the governor on Earth Day decided that we're gonna we're gonna introduce legislation to ban all plastic bags. Well, wait a second. The day before Simcha Felder was gonna make his decision, of course. All right. So and so, you know, let's not talk about how all of a sudden the governor has found his liberal lefty conscious. This is about right. This is all about politics and all about the fact that Cynthia Nixon, who has money, who has name recognition, who has every advantage that Zephyr Teachout didn't have four years ago, and Zephyr Teachout, if you recall, won. I don't remember what the number is. Thirty-four percent. Thirty. Thirty. And, and how many counties? She won well, almost every county outside of the big ones, pretty much. And that's the point. Like and so, forty counties. And this was someone with no money and no name recognition and no ground game and no anything. And all of a sudden, Cynthia Nixon, who has all those things, as Zephyr Deachout doesn't have, and and is able to sort of out sort of left the governor. All of a sudden, you're seeing the governor trying to pivot and, and change his politics and change his stripes. And that's disappointing. And so now the governor's trying to put it on Simcha Felder, like somehow it's Simcha Felder's fault. That this year is different than the last, how many years? Four years? Right? This year, all of a sudden, it's different. Simplefelder has been caucusing with Republicans since he got to the state Senate. Of course. All of a sudden, today or yesterday, when the letter went out, it's an issue. All these pivotal issues that the governor wanted to work on, why wasn't it Jeff Klein's problem? Why wasn't it 
Dean Skelos's problem? Why wasn't it John John Flanagan's problem? Why wasn't it any of these Republicans who the governor was more than happy to work with? All of a sudden now, it's Simcha Felder's problem. That is just, again, more distraction from the governor who's trying to put this on Simcha. Now, again, I'm not saying that Simcha Felder isn't pivotal, but let's let's call a spade a spade. Well, I can only laugh at, at the whole because you're, you're right. Um, but I am going to introduce one thing. I think it's pretty transparent from what the governor did, number one, with regard to the bag tax issue and with regard to the letter, that he doesn't really want Simcha Felder to go with the Democrats. I mean, if you look at the letter, it's like, Simcha, please come over to the Democratic side so we can pass, so we can enshrine abortion rights into the New York State Constitution. Now, let's take that in for a second. <laughs> say, well, it again, say it again. Simcha, I love why don't that. we why don't you join us in enshrining all these liberal things, assisted suicide and abortion right and all these things that you don't believe in, come join us and make it happen. Uh wait, I'm sorry. What wow, what a great deal for me. I can vote against my community in all these issues. I can go with the people who who wanna who wanna blow up our yeshivas, who wanna give up give no not a single dollar. People like Liz Kruger who wanna fight against every single dollar that yeshivas get. Okay. They wanna control the curriculum. They wanna they want to uh, they don't. They don't want busing. I mean, all these things, all these great things. I can join with this conference and, and it, turn my back on the Republicans who have basically helped and uh, created a lot of parity for uh, the people in my district. So, if you're Simcha Felder, you're saying, okay, what's the real message here? Oh, I guess the governor really doesn't want me to come over to the Democratic side. And the truth is, everybody has spoken politically about why having a Republican-controlled state senate actually helps. Governor Cuomo, it certainly certainly helped. That's why he pushed the special elections out beyond the budget, so that the budget could get done, and it wouldn't be a far left budget. But at the same time, he can use the rhetoric. Uh, I think the governor misses Joe Prococo because oh, I think he's been clumsy that's as sure. far as doing this. That's for sure. Uh, I, I think I think he's been clever, but a little bit clumsy. And if you're a Democrat, you're probably looking at this and say, "I cannot." I'm sorry, a far left Democrat, not a Phil Goldfeld Democrat. But if you're a Cynthia Nixon fan, <laughs> you're saying to yourself. Uh, I, you know, and you understand some of the nuances here, you're saying the governor has betrayed us yet again. And because, look, there's a lot of carrots that he could be giving Felder. There's a lot of carrots he could be offering the Jewish community, and he didn't do them this year. The truth is, the governor actually really didn't, in the budget, didn't do, it was actually really the state senate. He, he hasn't done the 529s. He hasn't done a number of things that the governor could have done to help the Simcha Felder's constituency, and he just hasn't done it. Here's what I would say, you know, and, and goes back to if you don't stand for something, you stand for nothing. And and so, you know, I, I was supportive of the governor. We worked together for a long time. I, I'm a fan of his. But at, at some point, you've got to stop. It's got to not be about sending the message or or being sort of more ideological than the next person just for the sake of politics, right? Stand for something. Either you believe something or you don't believe it. You think it's good for the state or you don't think it's good for the state. But the politics we've seen play out over the last six months, you know, and forget the feud with Bill de Blasio, but what we've seen, it's not even the last six months. I don't even know if it's two months since Cynthia Nixon jumped in the race and all of a sudden you're seeing a dramatic shift. And and quite frankly, it's disappointing. I think it's disappointing to me. It's disappointing clearly to the Working Families Party and the folks on the left. But it's disappointing to members of the community who just want to see honest government, you know, move an agenda or, or move good policy forward. And that's unfortunately not what we're seeing. And here's the worst part. Simple Felder, in some re- for some reason, is getting blamed for this. Like somehow he did something wrong and he did not. 
I give him a lot of credit. Again, like we said about Dove, he doesn't care what the politics say. He doesn't care what the governor does. He's going to do what he thinks is right for his community. And I wish him nothing but the best and, and think that, that he should hold out. And actually, personally, I think it's actually tremendous. Others have said, I've seen other uh, otherwise on social media. I think it's actually tremendous Kiddush Hashem that Simcha Felder stands up for his community and says, this is what I care. What do I care about? I care about God first. I care about my family, and I care about my community. Okay, party labels are not important to me. And the truth is, that's really the way it should be. Why does, just because somebody has a party registration, that they have to be in lockstep all the time with everything that the party uh, stands for? That's not how our system works. We're not a parliamentary system. We're not, this is not Israel. This is not the UK. We, people get elected on their own, and they're able to vote on issues and stand for issues on their own. As you know, as Dove Hyken did and and when, way, he bucked his, when he bucked his party for, for years. And Simcha will be the first to say, you know, if, if my community wants me to continue representing them the way I am, right, they'll, they'll vote for me. And if they don't, then they won't. Right. And by the way, to his credit, and, and I by say way, good this, luck, good luck Democrats with a, with a, with a primary challenge to Simcha Felder. Oh, 100%. But what I find so fascinating is that Simcha doesn't care. I, I mean, to his credit. And this is, I think, what, what makes, you know, certain people like, okay, so if I don't get elected, I'll do something else, right? I'll move on to the next stage of my life. Like, again, like Dove has decided to do, like Paul Ryan has decided to do, like, like I did, like, like some people who make the determination that if I can't, if I can't continue to move forward in the, in the way I want to do it, I'm going to move on and do something else. I give Simcha Felder all the credit. I think it's a huge kid as Hashem, and he should continue to do what he's doing. Okay, well, we're going to have to wrap up for this week. Uh, Phil Goldfeder, Michael Fragan here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And uh, just last point, uh, you know, right, well, uh, last point, of course, is that uh, VA Secretary nominee, the, the doctor, uh, Ronnie Jackson, has withdrawn. Uh, Clearly, they did not bother to vet the guy before, and which is just astounding that you would nominate a commented secretary. We actually don't really have time to discuss it, but I'm going to give oh. I'm going to give my <laughs> I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to give my spin of the week, uh, which goes down, which goes back to uh, Bill De Blasio and his spokesman. I know Phil, I got to go. I mean, Bill De Blasio files his tax returns, and he gives. Uh, a grand total. He has a $223,449 salary, and he gives a grand total of $300 to charity. And um, wow. I mean, we think, and then he, his spokesman blames it on college tuition. It's college very low, so I can't really give any money to charity. The way Bill de Blasio sees it, he'd rather give your money, he'd rather take your money in tax dollars and give it to somebody else. I'm sorry, it's $350 to charity. So thanks for joining us here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.